no one is out there giving you a template for how to do this, right? So you, you really have to do your own research, really keep on top of trends, really keep on top of competitors uh, and really build a strong edge that differentiates a brand. I think that's also one thing that I've tried to do as best as possible in my agency as well. You're listening to The Liftoff Show, the podcast for ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs, helping you increase sales, profits, and build a powerhouse brand fast. I'm your host, Austin Lovell, and welcome to the show. G'day and welcome back to the Liftoff Show. And we've got a super special guest today. We have Justin. Justin, before we dive into it and talk about some really, really cool things this episode, do you just want to give a bit of context to everyone listening and watching what you're up to, what you do, and how you fit into the, the whole e-com world? Sure, yeah. So I think a, a good way to intro myself is that I run an ad agency that specializes in running Facebook ads for e-commerce businesses. Uh, we mainly work with e-com brands that are a little bit past the beginning stages, so not exactly startup e-commerce brands, but more so in the revenue ranges of around, say, 50 to 100K a month. So they've already gotten traction with their business and they have proof of concept, but they need us to come in as a not only an ad agency, but as a growth agency. Uh, and we really pride ourselves on delivering holistic service to our clients. So that's still my main venture, and that's what I've been doing for the last two and a half, almost three years now, specializing in e-com. And recently, I've also started two e-commerce startups, and really my main motivation behind those, the uh, it's a skincare brand and a jewelry brand, is to really understand what it's like uh, from a DTC perspective to be in the trenches, right? So I really want to understand uh, my, some of my clients, uh, you know, wins, challenges, whatever they're facing on a day to day. And also because I genuinely have a passion for creating something from the ground up on my own. And I can, you know, really start to relate to, you know, some of my clients emotions and what they go through on a daily basis. So I think that's really enabled me to get a fresh perspective on, uh, DTC. And, uh, it has really enriched the way that I deliver my services to my clients in my ad agency. So that's a little bit about myself. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I really want to dive into the brands a bit later because I think we can go so deep there and talk about how it's different when you grab a brand that's doing 10, 50K, 100K a month and scaling that up versus going back to absolute zero, zero social following, zero social proof and building it from the ground up. So before we get into that, I think the hottest topic right now is still iOS 14 and the impact it's having on brands and new brands, scaling up brands, how it's affected the whole e-commerce space when it comes to advertising. I'm keen to get your thoughts because I know you always have a really logical way of thinking about changes and about what's happening and what's coming next. Um, so iOS 14 as a whole, your clients and also what you're seeing in the space, how has it affected them and you know, sort of what's been your plan of attack? Yeah, so I think it's best to just start chronologically. Uh, I'll kind of give a, a, a bird's eye view of what's been going on inside accounts, and then we can dive into the exact solutions we've we've really tried to apply for our clients. So uh, pre-iOS 14, all of our clients' accounts were doing great. Uh, it was kind of a golden age of, of Facebook advertising, um, even you know throughout the the privacy issues back in 2018. Like it hasn't really affected the way that we run ads and what gets results. Um, and towards around late April, early May was when we started seeing the initial drop off. And I think that was around the time when iOS 14 uh, first became official and people started uh, you know, downloading the software updates and uh, not consenting to being tracked. And then that 
led to uh, sort of like a second wave of even more people downloading and it became this snowball effect. Uh, so week over week, it was very interesting because we saw at least a uh, noticeable drop in at least attributed results on Facebook. Uh, part of that was delay in attribution and the other part was just complete data loss because the attribution windows themselves uh, shrunk as well. We used to have access to 28 day click and one day view windows. And then that, you know, initially shrunk to seven day click and one day view. Uh, and then, you know, we're, you know, probably expecting further uh, data loss as well. Uh, so what ended up happening was on the reported side, we were seeing a big drop, but in the client's overall website sales in uh, MER marketing efficiency ratio and everything else, it seemed like things were staying constant. So it was very, very weird to see because some of our accounts would go from say at 2.5 to like closer to a one in reported Facebook results. And there was like a third between 30 to 50% consistent drop off in reporting, but everything else, literally all the other metrics were staying the same. Uh, some interesting things as well. CPM has continued to go up and that's expected because Facebook's always continuously becoming more competitive. Uh, but what we've really done, um, you know, from a foundational standpoint is just focus more on advertising fundamentals, right? Because in a time where data loss has affected not only attribution, but even, you know, started to degrade some of the audiences we use in retargeting and the data is just kind of out of whack. We really need to focus on what we have full control over, which is just good advertising fundamentals from creative to copy uh, to the offer to everything else, even, you know, on the conversion rate side, how can we maximize the most, uh, how can we maximize the things that we do have control over? Uh, so one of the things we started doing uh, even as recently as a few months ago was partnering with two uh, creative agencies, one of them, uh, which is Austin, who's here with me uh, on today's episode. Uh, and we really have prioritized testing a high volume of high quality creatives that you know, we continuously learn from, uh, given the insights that we're seeing inside ads manager, even with the limited data that we have. Um, and really almost on a weekly basis, we're pushing out four five, six different creative variations on an average account. Uh, and that's really helped us really stay afloat with clients and ensure that they're at least uh, continuing to stay profitable, you know, regardless of whatever Facebook is showing inside ads manager. So mm -hmm. that's really our main plan of attack. It's not so much, you know, a new hack or a new way of reporting or a new software that we're using, uh, although we have been looking into alternate third-party tracking softwares, uh, but really most of the, the help, so to speak, has come from us just doubling down on fundamentals, making sure that our ads just strictly outperform or strictly better than our competitors. No, I think that's super important what you said there, the fact that it's not a new strategy, a new hack, a new way to circumvent what Facebook's doing. It's just going back to the basics and the fundamentals and not trying to you know, go over the top and make it overly complex. It's using what's working and then focusing on that again, not saying, okay, let's rejig our campaigns to be the latest structure and you know, use all these advanced methods to just get a little bit more out of the Facebook algorithm. It's just going back and saying, let's just focus on good advertising. And I think that's you know, often <laughs> forgotten with a lot of people promoting their new way of ad buying, you know, the latest e-commerce growth strategy with Facebook ads. And you sort of miss, you lose sight of the forest and the trees, you lose sight of what's really important. So I think even with the iOS 14 changes, what do you see as like, okay, I'm a brand, you know, I'm just starting or I'm at around 5, 10, 15K a month and I'm 
sort of struggling because it's hit me hard and now my retargeting isn't as profitable anymore. You know, now I'm finding it a bit more difficult to go out there and, you know, outperform my competitors. What do you think is sort of the best steps for them? If you were to give them like a top three things that they need to be doing right now for a new up and coming store, what would you say is like the top three most important things for them to, to get after? Yeah, so you need to just do damage control, right? If you're at that stage you described like 5, 10, 15K in revenue, I assume you're not getting a ton of top of funnel traffic coming in. So your retargeting audiences are already too, already relatively small. Uh, and then the data loss obviously isn't helping because your retargeting audiences have been degraded even further, right? So the damage control comes in and what you need to do is obviously reduce the amount of spend that you're spending on retargeting uh, and really just focus more on top of funnel. Like how can we continuously test new best fit creatives copy? Just how can we find what really resonates with our colder audiences uh, and focus on driving just more uh, traffic in, in general, like you can think of it as, uh, you know, even if you think about like the classic marketing funnel, right now, what's effectively happened is that someone's poked a hole at like the bottom of the funnel and some water is leaking out. But how do you remedy that? Well, the common sense solution is just bring in more water from the top to offset the, the, the water that's leaking through the hole. So that's effectively what's happening. And you need to spend a little less on, on retargeting, uh, you know, maybe even consider shrinking your retargeting audiences, narrowing, their, uh, narrowing them so that you can get the most out of them. If your CPA, for example, is too high and then focus on just driving more uh, high quality traffic as best as you can at top of funnel. Uh, I'd also recommend really uh, considering putting more emphasis on other channels, especially now that, you know, Facebook's in a kind of a wacky place. Uh, you can always improve the quality of your retargeting audiences if you just have fresh organic uh, engagers coming in, for example, if you're making yourself omnipresent on different channels uh, and you have different touch points with the customers because this is all a holistic effort. At the end of the day, you can't just rely on Facebook itself, especially not in these times. Uh, so these are kind of like the general takeaways that I would really uh, take into consideration if you're at that stage with your e-commerce brand. Uh, obviously, there are different solutions depending on which level of revenue you're at and which level of profit uh, profitability. But you know, given Austin's question, if you're at that stage, those were uh, the top two or three things that I'd apply ASAP. Mm, no, that's awesome. I like that. It's simple, easy to apply. And I think one thing that I want to ask before we dive into some trends and we talk about your brands, which I'm ex super excited to talk about because I love brands. But do you think this changes? I think the same happened. I was chatting with someone else yesterday and we're talking about when GDPR hit, you know, there was a, a lot of, you know, hype. There was a lot of things saying, okay, the advertising is coming to an end as we know it. You know, e-commerce is going to suffer a whole heap. And now we recovered and then e-commerce community found ways to make sure that they're still on track. And I think with iOS 14, it's sort of a similar trajectory. Comes out a lot of fear, a lot of, oh, is this never going to work again? Is Facebook ads dead? All of those things, all those ridiculous things. And then it stabilizes. And so I think, do you think the iOS 14 changes as sort of, weeded out the advertisers that didn't actually know what they were doing. It's sort of gotten rid of the people and the agencies and, you know, even the smaller advertisers that just weren't up to scratch anyway. And it's sort of given more room and more bandwidth for the advertisers like your agency and what you're doing and to people that are really on the money. Do you feel like it's given you more flexibility now because you, those advertisers that maybe weren't sure what they were doing 100% aren't able to advertise effectively anymore, aren't able to get the results they were before because they were relying on some outdated methods. What do you think? I don't think it's so much the methods that you apply inside Facebook, although they have an impact. 
but I would say it's not even so much a weeding out of agencies, but a weeding out of brands in general. Because what we've seen is when your data deteriorates this much, beyond reporting, obviously, when your audiences, your targeting deteriorates this much and CPM you know, gets higher and you know, it's harder to maintain a profitable ROAS, uh, it really comes down to the, you know, if you're an agency, the brand you're working with, their fundamentals, right? Because if they have, you know, very, very low average order value, and maybe they used to be able to get by uh, with like, I don't know, a $20, $25 average order value. Uh, and now, you know, CPAs have, have risen noticeably, CPMs have risen noticeably. Um, everything's becoming harder to, to maintain profitability for. It kind of does weed out some of the e-commerce brands in the space. Uh, it also weeds out the brands that don't really pay attention to their other channels and don't really have warmer audiences to leverage. Maybe they don't have tons of social engagers. Maybe they never invested into PR and publications and never really worried about making themselves omnipresent on tons of different channels. Then again, it's going to be harder for them too. Uh, on the agency side, as I said, yes, there are certain strategies and certain damage control things you can do, but none of that really replaces just an effective uh, marketing strategy for the brand as a whole. Uh, and as I said, like as a media buyer, as a Facebook media buyer, there's only so much you can do on uh, the Facebook side. You really have to worry about other channels as well. Uh, so as I said, not really a culling of agencies, but I view it as the culling of, of brands of sorts. Uh, and that's one thing that I've, I've really taken into consideration for both my startups as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. And before we talk about them again, let's talk some new trends. So now that the changes have happened, everything always changes. There's always an update. There's always a new thing that's come up. And so what are you seeing in terms of creative? What are you seeing in terms of ad buying? What are the new trends and what do any e-commerce store listening, what do they need to be focusing on over the next three to six months leading into what I'm guessing is going to be a big Q3, big Q4? You know, what do they need to be focusing on sort of towards the tail end of this year? I think all throughout the year, we started seeing uh, a lot less emphasis from a lot of leading leading brands and leading advertisers as well on uh, a lot less on being super professional and being, you know, having very high production value ads coming out and more so the raw, authentic UGC type of content. Um, and that's really been working for us at our agency as well uh, with all the brands that we work with. We really have tried to make a shift to more... Uh, relatable content, even if it's not like completely UGC, something that, you know, is still uh, something that consumers can look up to, but at the same time, they can also relate to if that makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we used to be able to get amazing results with ads that were sort of detached from the customer experience. And it was just like very by the book. And, you know, you focus on these three things and you call out the benefits and pain points, and then that gets you by. Now it's a little bit trickier because consumers are you know, they've seen so many ads at this point and the space is changing so quickly. They really want to see something that is a fresh perspective and really something that they can put themselves in the shoes of, if that makes sense. Uh, so a lot more UGC content, as I said, um, you know, doesn't have to be super high production value. It can be shot on an iPhone. Uh, we've tried even angles where influencers are literally just having the front facing camera and they're walking around their apartment. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, these are like the bed sheets that I got from, uh, you know, company A uh, and, you know, they're having a sale and whatnot. So it's a lot more, uh, it's, it's still very direct, but it's very raw and unscripted. And that's what really people, people want to see before making a purchase. Mm -hmm. So do you think the brands moving forward, the ones that 
sort of get past the limiting belief that the ad creative or everything has to be overly professional? Do you think those are the brands that are going to stand out over the next three to six months? Because you see a lot of brands doing it already where more native real style content and they've just shot up out of nowhere. And if you look back historically, there's brands that have done that in the past and they grew that way. And while everyone else was zigging and you know doing professional style content, they were zagging and they were doing native real customer content. So do you think we're gonna see sort of a surge over the next three to six months of maybe some new brands or some brands that were sort of coasting along, they adopt this like customer first mentality with creative, this whole raw, real approach. And all of a sudden they shoot up because it's real and it works. Do you think we're gonna see that? over the next couple of months yeah and and as always is the case like people catch on to trends relatively quickly so i'm predicting you know we'll have this wave of like uh, initial hype around ugc and then a bunch of people will start doing it and then towards the tail end of this year or early next year like that trend will start to die down and then consumers will want to see something else <laughs> uh, so it's funny because there's like different as and, and, and troughs of this of this process right like it's it's a constant process of trying to get ahead of the curve or at least identify the trend before everyone hops on it. And then if you're a little too late, like the trend will start to change and then you'll be left in the dust. Right. So mm. uh, a lot of our, our job nowadays too, is always being inside ads library, always checking out what other competitors are doing and what seems to be working. Uh, and also constantly testing new angles ourselves as well. And trying to identify, as I said, the trends before it's, you know, something that's really talked about in this space. Uh, basically, once a lot of communities start picking up on it and everyone realizes it's you know super hyped up, it's probably towards the end of that trend. So you want to always be wary of that as well. For sure. And now let's finish on the brands. I've been eagerly waiting here, sitting, you know, sort of excited to get to this point. Let's talk about the two brands that you're running right now, what the plan is, I guess, with launching those. You've obviously taken what you're doing from an ad buying perspective and your knowledge with your e-com brands that you work with as clients at the agency. And now why have you decided to say, okay, we're doing, getting great results for clients. I'm just going to go back to square one and build my own brands. You know, why did you decide to do that? Has it always been a passion for building brands? Has it been a passion for the design process? Like, tell me a bit about why you decided to build brands. Yeah. So agency life is fun, but it can also get hectic, uh, especially when you're dealing with a lot of different accounts and you have so many things to keep track of. Um, and agency is still going to be a, a really big focus of mine and very, very high priority. Uh, but I've really just built the brands out of personal passion and interest, to be honest. That's like the most important thing for me. And that's the driving factor behind why I started them. Um, I really just like the concept of finally going out and creating something on my own. And I think it's, it's allowed me to stretch my creative, uh, flex my creative muscles a little bit. Um, not to say that my agency doesn't do that, uh, but it just leverages uh, my creative skills in a different way. Uh, and it's also a very intense, uh, very fast paced, but also very fun process because you literally like, no one is out there giving you a template for how to do this, right? So you you really have to do your own research, uh, really know, really keep on top of trends, really keep on top of competitors, uh, and really build a strong edge that differentiates a brand. I think that's also one thing that I've tried to do as best as possible in my agency as well. I'm really big on doing things in an unorthodox way. So being able to build uh, two brands in two different spaces and uh, you know, identifying some of the things that are missing from popular products in those spaces and really trying to capitalize those on my own, uh, you know, with my own two brands. I think that's 
the most exciting part for me. I just really like doing things that are different. I like to be a little bit contrarian with the way I do things. So my brands definitely allow me to, to, to flex my creative muscles in that capacity. Mm. No, awesome. And I think it's exciting because I've been seeing what you're doing behind the scenes, you know, working on a few little bits and pieces here and there and just seeing it all come together. It's super exciting. And I think this might be an interesting one for everyone listening is what are you starting to realize or what are you learning about the e-com brand building process? Because when you're in ads manager every day and you're creating ads for clients, you don't see the full side of things, I guess. And so now that you're building those brands, are there are a few things that you've noticed. Are there are a few things you wish you knew about before you started jumping in and building them from the ground up. Like, do you just want to talk a bit about those as we finish up? I think these are going to be super valuable for everyone listening. Yeah, I think um, a lot of agency owners and myself included when I, when I started off in this space, we don't really, I mean, we do have a respect for client budgets and client goals from a sort of like third party perspective. And it's kind of detached. We understand it, uh, but we've never really experienced it ourselves, right? We don't really know, uh, you know, sort of the, the nervousness or the emotional battle that comes with putting up your own capital, uh, taking on your own risk, right? Uh, and it's just a lot of stuff that happens in the trenches, especially on the journey to the first 10K and uh, 10K a month in sales. Uh, a lot of, um, you, you just have to wear a lot of different hats. And I think as agency owners, we do well to really try to understand that more uh, and have more empathy with the clients that we work with. Uh, so as I said, like that's really, it's really helped me have a newfound respect for my clients and uh, really understand their journey, not only, you know, with whatever revenue amount they're doing now, but uh, how they really started their company from the ground up. Um, I really understand now how difficult it is, uh, how many hats you do, how many different hats you have to wear uh, from you know everything from product to business development to marketing. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's it's pretty wild. So, uh, really, definitely, really great experience for me. Awesome, awesome. And before we finish up, I just want to give everyone listening some actionable sort of things to finish on. You come from an advertising background. You're now going ahead and launching brands. What you don't have to reveal the full strategy from start to finish, but I think by you know the, what we've chatted about, it's more so focusing on advertising fundamentals, and we get that it's not going to be a, a Facebook strategy that's going to get these brands to the level that you want them or scale them fast. It's going to be the advertising fundamentals. What works, and how do you grab attention? How do you keep it, and how do you deliver great products? So, what's going to be your sort of launch strategy? I guess um, with getting these brands out there competitive spaces i think you know skincare uh, and also is it fashion as well so like two jewelry yeah so two spaces so credit to you for going into those as like the first ones because i know they're hyper competitive spaces but uh, what's sort of your plan of attack to launch those to differentiate them and get them out there and start getting those sales in so we definitely want to take an education first approach with both brands so i think uh, particularly in the skincare space uh, I think a lot of people are using products from bigger name brands that have just built hype because of good marketing, uh, but really the effective ingredients, the number, uh, the percentage of active ingredients and the transparency uh, to which they produce their products, it, it's really lacking. Uh, and I think people, I don't want to say have a placebo effect when they use it, but it's just really not having the, the, the uh, desired effect. Uh, and a lot of people are starting to wake up to that. Um, particularly some of the more informed users that are, um, you know, kind of skincare addicts and they really know what they're, they're looking for. Uh, so our uh, gap in the market that we're trying to take advantage of is still uh, in part luxury skincare, but also high performance luxury skincare. So 
our main uh, demographic, it's, it's, it's very subtle the way that we brand ourselves, um, but we're definitely targeting uh, more so professional uh, working age women that have a lot of stuff going on in their lives that are super passionate about something uh, and are really looking for something, looking for skincare products that complement their existing routine and can keep up with their busy daily lives, right? Whether they're super active and, you know, constantly moving around. Uh, we just want something that's simple, uh, truly effective, has a high percentage of active ingredients. And as I said, also complements the other products in the routine and increases their effectiveness in turn as well. Uh, so that's really the main goal with the skincare brand. And because of this gap in the market, uh, I, I really believe that it will turn out to be a success. Uh, and with my jewelry brand, again, still an education first perspective. Uh, with the jewelry space, it's a little funny because a lot of uh, particularly fine jewelry, uh, in terms of quality, they may seem all right, but then they don't actually end up providing the necessary certifications and proof that it's a certain grade. Uh, so that's part of our edge as well is that we offer that and we're super transparent with where the jewelry comes from, how it's made, what it's made out of. Uh, and in addition, we genuinely think that a lot of the fine jewelry in the space is starting to get repetitive and the, the designs are becoming a little dull. Uh, so another part of what we're doing as well is incorporating uh, very subtle meaning and cultural references into each and every single one of our pieces as well. Uh, so our goal is really to be everyday jewelry, everyday fine luxury jewelry that carries significance and weight to it. Uh, that's, that's really uh, sort of private to the user. Um, so those, that's a little bit about my two brands and a little bit of a sneak peek about, uh, about what's going on. Awesome. Awesome. And I guess to summarize, you're going ahead and you're differentiating, you're grabbing an existing product. You're looking at what is the market sort of dying for? What are they actually wanting? You're looking at how can you differentiate the product and then leading into the advertising, as you said, you're approaching it with a advertising and marketing first mindset versus let's just do the latest hacks and strategies. And then when it comes to creative, you're focusing on what's working right now. You're going with the current rather than against it and creating native customer style creative. And that's how it's all coming together. So I'm super excited to see where they go and how fast you scale it up. I'm sure you've got some ambitious growth targets knowing you. Uh, so yeah, look, I really appreciate you hopping on the show today. And yeah, it's been awesome to, to chat all things advertising brands and you know scaling brands to the next level. Awesome, man. Appreciate you having me on. Great chat.